Good evening, listeners. Welcome to Nightly Crowd Catcher with Corey Bank. This is episode 33. I'm excited to be here with you all tonight. I am your host, and you're listening to WQEE 99.1 FM McKeeda, New Georgia. I hope everyone's having a great night. It's now time to enter the late night madness. The first thing that we're going to talk about in the world of MLB in our first story is a game between the Boston Red Sox versus the Washington Nationals. Alex Verdugo led off the game with a homer, and the Boston Red Sox beat the Washington Nationals 5-4 on Tuesday night in the opener of a three-game series. Boston, which remained three games behind Toronto for the American League's last wildcard spot, has won six of its last eight. The Red Sox improved to 9-1 at Nationals Park. Stone Garrett and Kybert Ruiz each drove in two runs for the Nationals. They had won 12 of their last 14 at home. And John Schreiber pitched a scoreless sixth inning. He was the second of five Boston relievers who combined for four and two-thirds scoreless innings. Kenley Jansen handled the ninth for his 28th save. He has converted all 17 of his save opportunities on the road and 19 in a row overall. That right there, folks, is unbelievable, impeccable, perfect. So Chris Martin, who pitched a perfect seventh, has a .40 ERA and 25 appearances since June 9th. It almost doesn't get any better than that. He's been throwing flames, keeping it off change with his changeups, and painting the corners. But I think there's a lot of us down there right now that are in pretty good form right now and throwing the ball really well and throwing a lot of strikes, said reliever Josh Winchgowski, who worked the eighth inning. That's going to lead to success for more often than not. We're pushing each other, and Kenley is pushing all of us with the stability that he's had. But after Verdugo's ninth home run and second career leadoff blast, Tristan Casas made it a 3-0 game with a two-run single in the third of Josiah Gray. Washington responded in the bottom of the inning as Ruiz and Garrett delivered the two runs on their doubles. But the Red Sox chased Gray after Jaron Durant led off the fourth with a single and Pablo Reyes followed with a double. Durant scored on Verdugo's sacrifice fly. And Reyes came in on reliever Robert Garcia's wild pitch. Overall, we grinded out at bats and took our walks and we did enough to win the game. Boston manager Alex Cora said, but Gray allowed five runs in three plus innings, his shortest outing of the season. The Nationals' lone all-star has not completed five innings in his last three starts. And his ERA has jumped from 3.27 to 3.96 in that span. There's some good starts and bad starts and okay starts, Gray said. But the last three have been self-inflicted damage. More or less just one pitch away. But I'm not getting out of those jams. I know things will turn for me. I don't want to say it's a trend. It's just pitching. But Red Sox starter Nick Pavetta yielded four runs and four one-third innings, while striking out seven. Now on to our training room report. 
As for the Nationals, Washington activated right-handed pitcher Hunter Harvey. He had an elbow injury, injured, and had an option. But Joe Lasoras, left-handed pitcher from AAA Rochester. But Harvey pitched a 1-2-3 inning Tuesday in his first outing since July 14. Lasoras was 1-0 with a 6.61 year rate in the last 15 games with the Nationals. But right-handed pitcher Tanner Rainey had Tommy John surgery and Mason Thompson, he had a left knee injury. And they threw simulated games. But the Washington Nationals shortstop C.J. Abrams hit the 30-steal plateau mark with a swipe of second base in the first inning. He is the first National with a 30-steal season since joining Trey Turner, and he did it four times. And that's Jared Morgan, Alfonso Soriano, and Denard Spann. So that in itself is an accomplishment. Congratulations to D on this one. But in this game, it was the Boston Red Sox who took this game to the bank by the score of 5-4. And to the next game of the MLB News We Go, we're going to recap upon tonight. It's between the Houston Astros versus the Miami Marlins. The run support. The Astros were missing in Monday's loss to the Marlins. Showed up back on Tuesday night. Kyle Tucker hit a tie-breaking homer in the seventh inning. Yaner Diaz and Chaz McCormick also went deep. And Houston rallied past Miami 6-5. to five. I thought yesterday's game, we put up some really good at-bats and hit the ball pretty well. It just didn't go our way. But Tucker said, today we were able to put some runs across the board and the pitching staff did a good job. Tucker connected on the first pitch for reliever A.J. Puck, sending it 422 feet into the right center field bleachers. But the Astros, who dropped the first game of the series, at Miami and trail 3-0 in this one, have won 6-9 of nine and hold the second National League wildcard spot at the moment. But the Marlins' three-game winning streak ended. They remained one game ahead of the Chicago Cubs for that final National League wildcard spot, and Hunter Brown pitched two scoreless innings in his first relief appearance of the season. Ryan Presley allowed a one-out double by Jesus Sanchez in the ninth, but held on for his 28th save and just 32 opportunities, folks. Very good statistics right there. Definitely a reliable reliever indeed. But we've been trying to get it clicking all year long, said Astros manager Dusty Baker. It's going to click. It's just a matter of when. Sometimes you got to wait on it, and sometimes you have to figure out when it's going to happen. But the Marlins went ahead 5-4 in the fifth. When Joey Wendell, who led off with a walk, scored on a throwing error by starting pitcher Christian Javier. Josh Bell reached on a throwing error by second baseman Mauricio Dubon on the same play. But Dubon was in for second baseman Jose Altuve, who exited with a left knee contusion after fouling the first pitch he saw of his left shin. X-rays were negative, thank goodness for that, and he is day-to-day. Altuve finished the at-bat with an infield single, his 1,997th hit of his career, almost approaching the 2,000-hit milestone. Baker said Altuve was sore, 
He will be evaluated. McCormick hit a one-out solo shot to right center in the sixth that made a 5-5 game and chased the Marlins starter, Johnny Cueto. Cueto allowed five runs, four earned, and seven hits. He yielded a two-run homer to Diaz in the fourth and an RBI ground out to Alex Bregman that got the Astros within 4-3. to three. Cueto has allowed five home runs in his past three starts. He's got to get better control of his command and become a better pitcher. But literally, it seems like all the runs he gives up are the home runs. Marlins manager Skip Schumacher said, It's unfortunate because he's pitching good other than the home runs. It's costing him indeed. Javier allowed five runs, four earned, in four and two-thirds innings. In the fifth, center fielder Jazz Chisholm Jr. and left fielder Brian De La Cruz collided while trying to catch a fly ball from Tucker. Chisholm was charged with an error, and Mauricio Daboon scored to make it a 4-4 game at this point in time. But we were both going very aggressively to the ball. We both didn't hear each other, and that's what happens when you can't communicate, folks. You have collisions. Just going hard, trying to make a play for our pitcher, it happens. We shook it off and kept playing baseball. But Chisholm had two hits, including a triple in the second, and stole his 16th base of the season. The Astros presented first baseman Yuli Gurley with his 2022 World Series ring before the game. Gurley played in his first seven seasons in Houston. The two-time World Series champion played in 85 postseason games which ranks third in club history behind Altuve and Bregman. So it's incredible to see this. And this happened in the pregame that he's going to get his honors with this championship team. But he's been such a special player on this ball club, says rookie manager Schumacher. And I'm so grateful that he's here because of the influence he has inside that clubhouse. But here's the thing. The Marlins made a roster move, and they signed free agent catcher Jorge Alfaro to a minor league deal. But now, we're going to head to our training reports. As for the Astros, outfielder prospect Quincy Hamilton had core muscle surgery Tuesday and is expected to be sidelined about six weeks. Hamilton was playing for AAA Sugarland. So in this game, it was the Houston Astros who took the Miami Marlins, to you guessed it, folks, to the bank by the score of 6-5. And now, we're going into our last game of our MLB recap on the nightly crowd catcher with Corey Bank. And this game is between the New York Yankees versus the Atlanta Braves. Bryce Elder and Marcelo Zuna never lost faith in themselves. It sure is paying off for them at this point, bouncing back from a rough stretch Elder pitched seven innings to lead a one-hitter, getting all the run support he needed when Azuna hit a three-run homer in the first to lead the Atlanta Braves past the really New York Yankees 5-0. Ronald Acuna Jr. also went deep for the Braves, who have scored, who have outscored the Yankees 16-3 over the first two games of this series. Yes, they've been putting on a hit parade. I'm not going to sit up here and say I was always confident, said Elder, but a first-time All-Star this season, but just one-third with a 7.94 ERA over his previous six starts? 
you just have to say, forget it. I'm just going to go back to trying to make one pitch at a time. And that's the best way to evaluate it. Go back to the drawing board and take it one pitch at a time. One game at a time. And bite into it. And evaluate it. And see where your results are. But whatever the result is, I can live with it. He certainly had no complaints after this one. DJ Lemehu singled to center in the second for the lone New York hit. So a season low for the Yankees. He was erased on one of four double plays his team hit into. Three of them against Elder, who faced just one batter above the minimum. Elder walked three and struck out three while throwing 94 pitches. A.J. Minter and Kirby Yates finished with a hitless inning apiece for the Braves. 12th shutout of this season. That right there is incredible pitching. When is the last time you're able to put this together? This many times? This consistently as a ball club? Incredible. So after an 11-3 romp in the series opener, the Braves wasted no time jumping on Luis Severino, whose dismal season has made marred by atrocities in his numbers in the first inning. But that trend didn't change against the Braves. No, it did not. With two outs, Azuna launched his 24th homer of the season over the center field wall for a three-run shot. The homer extended Azuna's hitting streak to 13 games and gave the Braves a major league best 120 first inning runs. At the end of April, Azuna was hitting just .085 with a pair of solo homers, accounting for his only RBI, prompting plenty of fans to call for his release. But since then, the Raves stuck with Burley DH, who is now batting .275 with 22 homers and 58 RBIs. I knew I was a good player, Azuna said. I just never give up. The only thing I have in my mind is to show them what I can do. The last place Yankees dropped the 12-22 since July 4th, falling fifth under the 500 mark for the first time since they were 15-50 at that point in time. But the Braves complete the sweep on Wednesday, and they are now 60-60, and they would drop under 500 at least 120 games this season for the first time since the Yankees were 60-61 and back on September 5th, 1995. According to the Elias Sports Bureau, we're not showing up. That's what it comes down to, says Aaron Judge. New York has finished with a winning record for the last 30 consecutive seasons. We need to take some time to really get back to ourselves to build that personal pride again says manager Aaron Boone. But in the end of the day, a two-time All-Star, Severino, has been tagged for 23 earned runs in the opening frame of his 14 starts, an ERA of an insane 14.79. Acuna finished off Severino in the fourth with his 26th homer, a two-run drive, also with two outs, to nearly the same spot as Zunas. Both of those runs were unearned after the inning started with a third baseman, Isaiah Kainafalafa, waving at a soft grounder, allowing Sean Murphy to reach. But I was feeling really good today. I thought I was in command of all my pitches. Just a couple mistakes, Servino said. 
the one to Acuna, I'm not even mad about. He's just a great hitter, and he can place it at all placements on the, all the fields. After a run of tough outings, the Atlanta Braves rotation has suddenly found its groove in the past few days. And the Braves have three shutouts in their past six games, with the starters going 5-1 in that stretch. Hopefully they can keep going with that, and they can keep building that momentum. But Charlie Morton, spot starter Alan Winans, Spencer Strider, Max Freed, and now Elder have all picked up wins, surrendering just two earned runs and 32 combined innings. Yanni Chernos was the only one who struggled in a 7-6 game in that loss against the Mets. But the guys feed off each other, Snickers said. There's something about that. But the thing is, is that the series got canceled and the Yankees have captured only a single series since July 1st, a three-game sweep of the lowly Kansas City Royals on July 21st to the 23rd. Otherwise, they have lost nine series and split three others. Not a great scenario for the New York Yankees. And with their history, is something that is very unusual for this ball club. But now we're going to head into our training reports. As for the Yankees, left-handed pitcher Carlos Rondon strained left hamstring will throw a simulated game at Tampa on Wednesday. And if all goes well, could rejoin. So New York for its next week's series against Washington at Yankee Stadium. Rondon is 1-4 with a 7.33 year array and his six starts this season. As for the Braves. Second baseman, Ozzy Albiez, strained right hamstring, was officially placed on the 10-day injured list, backdated to Monday. And infielder Vaughn Grissom was recalled from AAA Gannett. And, and catcher Sean Murphy was plunked in the left shoulder blade by Servina in the first inning, but he stayed in the game. But all in all, in this game, it was the Atlanta Braves who took it to the bank against the New York Yankees by a score of 5-0. We'll be right back with NBA Recap. You don't want to miss it. Active Pest Control offers the best services and prices to protect your home. Offering both monthly and quarterly pest control services, plus specific services like bed bugs, German roach, and flea control. Even if you can't see them, insects are all around you 24-7. Active Pest Control wants to be the first line of defense. Active Pest Control. Repair. Bond. Best termite coverage around. Active Pest Control. 34 Jefferson Street, Noonan. 770-954-9941. Want to give back to your community in a meaningful way? Cares for Kids is a Keller Williams Realty-founded charity in which 100% of money raised goes directly to children in need in our area. Cares for Kids helps fund local organizations like Angel's House, Cowita Casa, Elevate, and more. Help Cares for Kids reach their mission of serving 1 million children. Call 678-634-9770 today to learn more on how to be involved or text k for k Noonan to 44321 to donate. This week's property of the week is located at 688 Cheatham Road in Griffin, Georgia. This 32.14 acre track is waiting to find its new owner. This property features a three bed, two bath home built in 1890. An 
18 by 28 utility shed ran with its own power and water, fencing for horses and other livestock, and timber such as pine, oak, and pecan trees. Call 678-634-9770 for more information. Welcome back. You're listening to the Nightly Crawcatcher with Corey Bank on WQEE 98.1 The Key at Noonan, Georgia. And now we're heading into the world of the NBA offseason. And our first story is about a Philadelphia 76 star player frustrated with the team executive management. Two days after it was reported that the Philadelphia 76ers ended trade talks involving James Harden. The 10-time All-Star guard ripped 76ers president Daryl Morey. Daryl Morey is a liar, and I will never be a part of an organization that he's a part of, Harden said during an, an Adidas media event in China. Let me say that again. So he really emphasizes on that. And on Saturday, sources told ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski that the 76ers plan to bring Harden back to training camp and for the start of the season, setting up an uncomfortable situation with the unhappy star. The 76ers had periodic offseason conversations with the LA Clippers, Harden's desired destination, but no traction on a deal materialized just yet. So, the 76ers agreed to search out a trade upon Harden's request after he agreed to pick up his $35.5 million player option in June. But the 76ers' asking price was steep, and no teams, including the Clippers, were willing or able to meet it, sources told. But Harden's unhappiness with Moray stems over the lack of a long-term maximum-level contract offer, sources said, and the team risked the possibility of Harden's arrival at training camp bringing anything but a championship mindset. Moray was Houston's longtime GM. During Harden's eight-plus seasons with the Rockets, Philadelphia believes it will be a championship contender with Harden's return alongside MVP center Joel Embiid, and the team is determined to find a way to make it work with Harden this season. But Harden, the 2018 NBA MVP, now has tried to force his way off his third team in three years. Harden blossomed into a star with the Rockets, when Murray ran the team until he wanted a trade to Brooklyn. The Rockets eventually agreed and shipped him to the Nets, when a big three championship run with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving never developed. Harden wanted a trade to the 76ers in large part because of his strong professional and personal ties with Murray. Harden did lead the league in assists this season but one of the league's great isolation scorers took a backseat to Embiid. It appears playing as the second option behind Embiid and chasing a championship in Philly is no longer seriously on the table. The 76ers flamed out in the second round of the Eastern Conference playoffs, and now it seems stuck in the middle of the East under new coach Nick Nurse. Harden scored 45 points in Game 1 and 42 in Game 4 in those victories against the Celtics, but Harden was 0-6 for, for threes in Game 2 and in the Game 6 losses. He scored only 9 points in Game 7, and he went scoreless in the second half. The 76ers have been down this road before 
when former number one pick Ben Simmons demanded the trade after his relationship soured with former coach Doc Rivers and others in the organization. But Simmons caused a disruption in training camp back in 2021, and he never played in the Sixers at that point in time, and he eventually got traded for Harden. So, it's interesting to see the future of the Philadelphia 76ers. Will Harden stay a 76er? Will he get what he wants? That's going to come down to who wants to get taken for the amount of money that he is at this point in time in his career. Who is willing to uh, negotiate with him? That's what will remain to be seen, folks. But in this next story of the NBA offseason is about a couple legendary players being enshrined in the Hall of Fame in the NBA. Dirk Nowitzki, Tony Parker, and Paul Gasol brought a European flavor to the Basketball Hall of Fame enshrinement. Fans waved a German flag and chanted Nowitzki's name. When the former Dallas Mavericks star walked the red carpet into the Symphony Hall on Saturday night for the ceremony, Parker's fans whooped it up when they took the stage to lead off the proceedings. There are a lot of French people in town, but the more they saw it, the former San Antonio Spurs point guard said Spain was well represented too, with Gasol shouting on his national team before joining what might be the greatest international class of inductees in the Springfield Shrine's history ever, folks. I want to give a special mention to those first Europeans who came here across the ocean who took a chance, said Gasol, who fell in love with the sport when in the 1992 Olympic teams were held in his hometown back in Barcelona. I was 12. It changed my life. The Dream Team showed us how basketball could be played. The class of 2023 brought a distinctly international flavor of the basketball hall. Nowitzki was the first European-born player to win the NBA MVP award back in 2007. Parker's NBA Finals MVP award that year was the first for European. In 2002, Gasol was the NBA's first international rookie of the year. And the Spurs were well represented too, led by longtime coach and five-time NBA champion Greg Popovich and Parker, the point guard on four of those title-winning teams, Becky Hammond, who after a career in the WNBA joined the Spurs as the first woman to serve as a full-time NBA assistant coach, was also honored. So Gasol played his last two healthy seasons with the Spurs, Coach Pop. It started with him, Parker said, but others enshrined included Dwayne Wade, a key player on three NBA championship teams in Miami, and former NC State coach Jim Valvano, who led the Wolfpack to the 1983 NCAA title and went on to be a broadcaster and advocate for cancer research. Valvano was inducted posthumously rounding out the class were the silver medal winning 1976 U.S. Olympics women's basketball team, former Purdue coach Gene Keady, a seven-time Big Ten Coach of the Year award winner, former Texas A&M women's coach Gary Blair, who took two teams to the Final Four, and longtime coach at Amherst and two-time Division Three national champion David Hickson, 
and Gene Bess, who won 1,300 games as a junior college coach at Three Rivers Community College in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. The inductees received their Hall of Fame rings and jackets Friday at a news conference, which Hammond missed because of the Aces had a game in Las Vegas that night. In her speech, she broke down, then thanking Popovich. I know you weren't trying to be courageous when you hired me, she said. You changed the trajectory of my life and so many other girls and young women. Undrafted by the WNBA, Hammond went on to be a six-time All-Star before joining Popovich in San Antonio. She coached the Aces to a WNBA championship last season. The amount of times I hear no or had a door shut was the amount of times I was going to go through a chimney or bust through a window to find a way, Hammond said. I wouldn't change the hard parts because the hard parts were necessary to build the courage for whatever comes next. But Popovich made light of his basketball talents and his image as a foul-mouthed media foil. He told the players presenting him to sit down and shush. Don't speak, just sit there. Popovich said as he took the microphone, Turning to Parker, he said, With Tony, I just asked him to be perfect. If I coached him now that way, I did then, and I would be in handcuffs. But Parker smiled and nodded his head. As a player at the Air Force Academy, Popovich was frequently kicked out of practice. He said, adding with a smirk, I know that you all know that I am a total mature individual. When the music tried to play him off early, Popovich sent host Ahmed Rashad back off to the stage. He thanked Tom James, who was the communications vice president with the Spurs, and the rest was history. So Popovich choked up when he thanked his family, saying that it was great news that he was able to put up with this to the future. But people think that I just do basketball, and basketball doesn't love us back. But we use it like a bar of soap. I don't remember saying I love you, Pop. But Gasol thanked the late Kobe Bryant, his teammate on two Los Angeles Lakers NBA championship teams, who died in the 2020 helicopter crash, along with his 13-year-old daughter, Gianna, and seven others. I wouldn't be here without you, Gasol said. I wish more than anything that you and Gigi were here today with us. I miss you and love you, remarked Gasol. Like Gasol, Parker was won over by the 1992 Summer Olympics. When the Hall of Famer-laden American squad drooped the French national team by 50 points, but when it came time to play in the European Championships, Gasol and Spain were often in the way. But it's truly an incredible class of Hall of Famers. Congratulations to all of you and your contribution to the NBA and being leaders in our community. But we'll be right back, folks, with the NFL offseason. You don't want to miss it. Wishbone Fried Chicken is back in a brand new location. 31 Jackson Street, Sweet A here in Noonan. Same great taste. The best chicken around. Fish dinners. Open Monday through Saturday, 10.30 a.m. to 4 p.m., Dine in, take out, it's Wishbone Fried Chicken, right next door to their former location, bringing you the best chicken around, 
So great. Wishbone Fried Chicken 31, Jackson Street, Sweet A, here in Noonan. Got mold? Call the Mold Man. Specializing in crawl space and interior mold remediation, encapsulations, and basement waterproofing since 2019. The Mold Man team takes pride in keeping your family healthy and your home mold free. Visit our website, themoldmanllc.com, to schedule a quote or give us a call at 678-227-9763. Hey sports fans, it's Rod Peterson here, host of The Rod Peterson Show, inviting you to join us daily for two hours of Atlanta's funnest sports talk right here on WQEE. I say fun because it is. You've never heard a show like it because we make the listeners a part of the show. Every day between noon and 2 p.m. Eastern, you'll hear plenty of the best sports talk, including the latest on the Falcons, the Braves, and more. And who knows, you might even hear you. That's the Rod Peterson Show, daily at noon, right here on WQEE 99.1 FM. Hey, sports fans. Weekdays, 3 p.m. Eastern to 5 p.m. Eastern. Drive time. WQEE. Braves Country is a Southern sports talk show with Mac McGee and the Armchair Quarterbacks. That's Braves Country with Mac McGee and the Armchair Quarterbacks. Weekdays, 3 p.m. to 5 p.m., right here on WQEE 99.1 FM. How do you make the most of your land? Everyone has their way. The Nelsons depend on their John Deere Gator XUV835R to get from point A to point B with decoys and the dogs. As much as we got going on, it's all about efficiency. And if you ask the Mosers what they use their Gator XUV590M for, they tell you. The most fun we have on the Gator is just ripping around the property. There are millions of ways to make the most of your land. Learn how to make the most of yours at Deer.com. Nothing runs like a deer. I'm pretty handy around the house, but now that I have kids, I don't want to spend my Saturday installing a toilet or fixing an air conditioner. But thankfully, there's HomeAdvisor. HomeAdvisor helps me find the best home pros in my area to handle any kind of project. You can read reviews of the pros, check their availability, and even book appointments online. And what my wife loves most is that HomeAdvisor is completely free to use. Go to HomeAdvisor.com or download the free app to get started. HomeAdvisor. I'm not going to lie, I know nothing about cars and I don't really mind keeping it that way. This, it's cool. I called CarShield before my car broke down. Thanks to CarShield, I don't have to understand anything about what's broken because plans can pay for repairs on up to 6,000 parts of my car. Leave fixing cars to the experts and call CarShield before your car breaks down and maybe save some money for once. It's a thought. Call 800-579-6554, 800-579-6554. At Jersey Mike's, they slice your order fresh, right in front of you. And let me tell you, watching that can send a rush of emotions through a person. Excitement, impatience, baby-like wonder, indecisive, anticipatory chewing, nervous pacing, happy claps, and finally, jealousy, because that's this guy's sub. I should order one. Good idea. Sliced right in front of you. It's a Jersey Mike's thing. A sub above. Welcome back. You're listening to the Nightly Crowdcatcher with Corey Bank on WQEE 99.1, the Canada in Georgia. And now we're on to our NFL offseason segment. And our first story is about a former NFL running back who was a Broward County local kid and the memory of his life. Next. 
Alex Collins, the former Arkansas running back who went on to play five seasons in the NFL, died after he was involved in a motorcycle crash in Lauderdale Lakes in Florida. On Sunday night, the Broward County Sheriff's Office said in a news release he was 28. Collins crashed into a sport utility vehicle on West Oakland Park Boulevard. According to the news release, the SUV was making a left turn when Collins' motorcycle hit its rear passenger side, causing him to go through a window and come to rest inside the vehicle. He was pronounced dead at the scene. The crash is under investigation. Alex was cherished by his family and friends, as well as supporters from all around the world. Collins family said in a statement Monday night, all who truly knew him can attest to his drive, determination, and larger-than-life personality. I had the opportunity to actually play against Alex Collins when I was in high school, and the opportunity to play against him when I was in Little League. And this guy really had a credible attitude to him and he really made a difference in his communities and he truly had the best attitude he possibly could have and having hitting against him he was really one of the best uh, running backs I personally have ever gone against but the fifth round pick of the Seahawks in 2016 Collins was released by Seattle a year later and became one of the biggest surprises of the 2017 Baltimore Ravens team he led Baltimore with 973 yards rushing and six touchdowns, celebrating each score with an Irish dance that he learned from the daughter of his high school football coach. With heavy hearts, we mourn the passing of Alice Collins. The Ravens said, always quick to greet everyone with a smile. And this is what I truly um, got to see even before the games. He was a genuinely kind person who carried a special joy and passion wherever he went. May Alex always be remembered for the light and love he brought to so many people in his life. In 2018, Collins struggled to match the same success and was placed on injured reserve in December because of a foot injury. And he returned to Seattle in 2020 and 21 and was the team's lead back for a time after starter Chris Carson was injured. In a social media post, former Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson called Collins one of his favorite teammates. Collins most recently played this spring with the USFL's Memphis Showboats, rushing for 98 yards and a touchdown in three games. Alex was a joy to be around, and someone who lighted shined completely bright. Ravens coach John Harbaugh really remembered him for his uplifting spirit and his impact that he had on everyone in the community and in his ball club. He was also a smart player who ran with unlimited determination, and he contributed to a lot of our success during his time in Baltimore, coach Harbaugh said. Before the NFL, Collins starred at Arkansas where he rushed for 1,000 yards in three consecutive seasons and scored 20 touchdowns as a junior. 
He is one of just five players in SEC history to rush for a thousand yards in three straight seasons. Amazing. Along with Herschel Walker, Kevin Falk, Darren McFadden, and Benny Snell Jr. This is according to ESPN Stats and Information Research. We are so saddened by the sudden and tragic passing of Alex Collins. He was a legendary Razorback and even better person the Arkansas football account posted on social media. Ryan Mallett, a backup quarterback for that 2017 Ravens team who also starred at Arkansas in college, also died earlier this summer. He drowned in late June while swimming with his girlfriend in Florida. Alex Collins, you will surely be missed. And I had great memories really hitting you in the games. But you were tremendous for the community. Tremendous for every single person's lives you touched. Alex Collins, may you rest in peace, our friend. Now we're on to our next story of the NFL offseason. And this story is about the New England Patriots signing a veteran all-pro running back. Free agent running back Ezekiel Elliott posted on social media Monday that he is signing with the New England Patriots. 1-5 all the way, live at Patriots, referencing his plans to wear the jersey 15, the number he wore in college while playing for Ohio State. He wore number 21 with the Cowboys, but elite, but Elliott agreed to terms with the Patriots on a one-year deal, helping address one of the thinnest positions on the roster. A source confirmed at, to ESPN, Elliott's one-year deal with the Patriots includes a $3 million base salary and a $1 million signing bonus that can be worth up to $6 million with incentives, a source told ESPN's Adam Schefter. Elliott who spent the first seven years of his career with Dallas, projects as a top complement to number one option running back Ramondre Stevenson. The Patriots have traditionally split the early down workload between two running backs under coach Bill Belichick, who spoke directly to Cowboys executive vice president Stephen Jones for insight and evaluation of the former two-time NFL rushing champion before hosting him back on July 29th. But it was Elliott's first visit with a team since his release. He later dined with Patriots quarterback Mac Jones, among others, and kept an open dialogue with the team officials. NFL Network first reported the agreement with Elliott. But Elliott, who was released by the Cowboys on March 15th in a salary cap move, had a career-low 876 rushing yards in the 2022 season but he scored 12 touchdowns and remained a top short yardage back and pass protector. However, he averaged 3.9 yards per touch last season, the worst mark among 51 running backs that had at least 100 touches. So, he had a plummeting season, but he going to the Patriots can make a difference. But the Patriots will visit the Cowboys this season, Sunday, October 4th, October 1st, as you will, in Week 4. The Patriots' lack of depth at running back has been notable during training camp, and Stevenson has been backed up by second-year players Pierre Strong Jr. and Kevin Harris, but Strong, a 2022 fourth-round draft pick out of South Dakota State, 
has been out of practice for undisclosed reasons the last two days. Also, veteran Ty Montgomery has been sidelined by a left leg injury and knee injury sustained in the second practice of camp. Third-year player J.J. Taylor and former USFL rusher C.J. Marable round out the depth chart, and the Patriots had signed former Jacksonville Jaguars and New York Jets running back James Robinson in March, but he was released in June. So, a very interesting scenario here. With the Patriots picking up Ezekiel Elliott, he can still be an impactful player with the rotation of Ramondre Stevenson being that one-two punch, being able to open up holes. He can be elusive. He can still be a game-breaker at times. And in short yard situations, the truth is they needed to get him because in those scenarios, he's good at lowering his shoulder, driving the pile, and getting first downs. But now we're on to our last story of the NFL offseason. And this is about another team in the AFC East in New York making a splash, signing a running back of their own. Veteran, all-pro running back, Dalvin Cook, is planning to sign a one-year deal worth up to $8.6 million with the New York Jets, a source told ESPN's Adam Schefter. Cook, who turned 28 last week, was released June 8th after four straight Pro Bowl seasons with the Minnesota Vikings, the move gives Aaron Rodgers another proven playmaker and comes after the veteran quarterback volunteered to take a $35 million pay cut, creating financial stability to sign big-ticket players such as Cook. The veteran running back visited the Jets last month, spending almost a full day at the facility with number one running back, Brees Hall returning from ACL surgery, the Jets wanted to bolster the backfield with an accomplished runner. They maintained steady interest in Cook, with coach Robert Salas saying recently, obviously you don't want to say no to a great player. The Jets have said they're optimistic about Hall's availability for week one against the Bills on September 11th, but he's still on the PUP list, and the time is running out. Salah professed his faith and backups Zonovan Knight and Michael Carter, but they both averaged only 3.5 yards per carry last season, ranking 58-59 on the list, with at least 80 attempts, respectively. The Jets also have rookie Israel Amakanada, Izzy, a fifth-round pick out of Pittsburgh. And Cook is still at least a week away from being able to practice as he recovers from shoulder surgery that he underwent back in February. A source told Schefter his arrival to New York also will be delayed as he expecting to become a first-time father soon. So Cook is another high-profile player for the Jets who revamped their traditionally moribund offense by trading for Rodgers, signing wide receivers Alan Lazard and McCall Hardman, and changing coordinators. And Cook, they get one of the most prolific runners in the league since 2019. He has averaged 111 scrimmage yards per game, second only to Tennessee Titans' Derrick Henry with 126. Cook has a one-cut style that should fit nicely in the Jets' outside zone running scheme. The Jets, who haven't had a 1,000-yard rusher since 2015 when they had Chris Ivory. So, with four straight 1,000-yard seasons, it's very pivotal that he is able to be a playmaker for the Jets' offense. He's been a dynamic ball carrier for a long time, Salah said. 
but he arrives with some question marks. Having battled chronic shoulder injuries since college, Cook underwent that surgery back in February, like we recapped before. But despite a separated shoulder last season, he played every game. While Cook rushed for 1,173 yards in the 2022 season, his per carry average was a career low of 4.4. He led the NFL with 62 carries for a loss or no gain, and only 34.5% of his carries gained a positive total of yards over the expectation. So the second lowest rate among running backs with at least 200 carries in 2022. And it's what remains to be seen. But now we're on to our last story of the NFL offseason. And this is about former ex-Falcons linebacker being claimed off waivers by the Chicago Bears. The Chicago Bears claimed linebacker Mikael Walker off waivers Monday. The team announced Walker, who started 12 games for the Falcons last season, was waived on Sunday. Last season, Walker posted a career-high 107 tackles with four tackles for a loss, his first career sack, and two interceptions. It was his first year as a full-time starter after two seasons as a rotational player who picked up spot starts. But the Bears are the top team in the waiver order and have claimed three players this month. Walker provides Chicago with depth after the team saw several linebackers sidelined with undisclosed injuries during the training camp. Tremaine Edmonds, Chicago's marquee free agent signing, has not practiced since August 2nd. Coach Matt Everfloss said, There is no concern that Edmonds' week one availability is in jeopardy and has classified the middle linebacker as day-to-day. Bears backup linebackers Dylan Cole and Demarquise Gates also missed Monday's practice with undisclosed injuries. In his Falcons career, Walker played in 49 games for the Falcons with 20 starts, 3 interceptions, and a sack. A 4th round pick for Atlanta out of Fresno State, he was entering his contract year this season. And Walker, 25, played 24 snaps with 4 tackles against the Miami Dolphins in the Falcons opener. A game in which Atlanta did not play the majority of its starters. Walker a fourth round pick by the Falcons in 2020 will be the final year in the final year of his rookie contract this season. The Bears waived linebacker Keani Deng in correspondence. So Mikel Walker could be an impact player for the Bears. Can he do it? I personally think he can. He's a very decent run stuffing linebacker in coverage. Definitely needs to improve upon that. But we'll be right back, folks. With music news, you don't want to miss it. When you really need something to get you through a long graduation ceremony, Trolley Sour Gummy Worms are there to give you a thrill. With varieties like Trolley Sour Bursting Crawlers, the worm's soft and chewy texture, surprising flavor combinations, and neon bright colors will give everyone a reason to celebrate. So when you want to notch the festivities up a couple degrees, Trolley Sour Gummy Worms are the perfect way for everyone to celebrate. Shop now for any trolley that crawls your way. This is Austin Black, and I am the host of Behind the Tunes. Have you ever wondered about the stories behind your favorite songs and the journeys of those that sing them? 
Each week, we invite you to go behind the tunes and step into the stories behind your favorite Christian artists that shape the landscape of today's music. Hey everybody, this is Andy Crispin. Join me this week for worship as I play two hours of the best in modern worship music from churches and worship leaders around the world. And this week, my special guest is Blake Goss of New Spring Worship. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making ways in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. For us, that scripture came alive because he did a new thing actually in an old place. You don't want to miss a moment of this week's worship with me, your host, Andy Crispin. WQE 99.1 FM, The Key, home of Southern Sports and Talk, Noonan, Sharpsburg, Franklin. Welcome back. You're listening to the Nightly Crowdcatcher with Corey Bank on WQEE 99.1, The Key, at Noonan, Georgia. And now we're on to our music news segment. And our first story is about a memory of a rapper that was part of a group, Timbaland, Life Cut Too Short. And we're going to be talking about his memory. Magoo, who along with rapper slash producer Timbaland, was behind in the late 90s hit Up Jumps the Boogie, has died at the age of 50. News of the artist's death was initially posted by the artist Digital Black, a member of the 1990s R&B and hip-hop group Playa on his Instagram page. Born Melvin Barcliffe Magoo and fellow Norfolk native Timothy Timelin Mosley met as a teenager before joining forces as a duo. The pair's debut album, Welcome to Our World, was released by Barry Hankerson's Blackground Records back in 1997, peaking at number 33 on the Billboard 200 and number 9 on top R&B and hip-hop albums. The set spun off the gold-certified single, Up Jumps the Boogie, which sat atop the Hot Rap Songs chart for eight weeks in a row and peaked at number four and number 12 on Hot R&B and Hip Hop Songs and the Billboard Hot 100, respectively, boasting guest appearances by Missy Elliott, Aaliyah, and Playa, among others. The platinum-certified Welcome to Our World also rolled out a second top 10 single with Clock Strikes, number 8 on the Hot Rap Songs. Timbaland and Magoo released two more albums as a group in 2001's Indecent Proposal and 2003's Under Construction Part 2. Indecent Proposal clocked in at number 3 on the top R&B hip-hop albums and number 29 on the Billboard 200. Under Construction Part 2 reached number 16 on the top R&B and hip-hop albums, number 50 on Billboard 200 in summer 2021. Blackground records signed a distribution deal with Empire, under which albums in Blackground's catalog would become available to streaming services for the first time. In addition to Timbaland and Magoo, that rollout included Aaliyah's recordings. While Timbaland gained additional fame as a solo artist, Magoo opted not to take that route when Billboard interviewed Timbaland and Magoo in 2001, ahead of Indecent Proposal's arrival. Magoo had this to say about whether he would 
be put as a solo project. I've never seriously thought about doing a solo album. I've thought about it in passing like if Tim decided to want to stop rapping. It would be really difficult for me to think about doing a record without him. We've been together since 1990, so being solo would be weird. Tim and Magoo have an incredible friendship and bond. Among artists and collaborators paying tribute to Magoo on Instagram were Timbaland, Missy Elliott, and Jenny One. Timbaland said in part, This one hits different long live Melvin aka Magoo. Tim and Magoo forever rest easy my king. In addition to posting a performance video, Timbaland also gave music fans a recommendation. You need to hear this Pharrell verse off his 91 demo tape with Timbaland and Magoo. This is so wholesome. They went SBI, surrounding by the idiots, of course. But it was Magoo who gave Elliot her misdemeanor nickname, as she recalled. We became so cool. You supported me from day one, and you said I'm going to call you misdemeanor because it's a crime to have that many talents. So that's who don't know about Magoo, and they gave me the name misdemeanor when they did so. So next to really seeing this, it's really sad that Magoo, who really means a lot to to hip-hop and Timbaland, really put together an incredible run together throughout the 90s and into mostly the early 2000s. Then they made a little bit of run later on in the 20s. So you will surely be missed, Melvin Magoo. Great rapper and a greater person. So in our next story of the Nightly Crowdcatcher with Corey Bank on Music News is about a Hall of Fame rock band collabing with a different artist in another genre. So Dave Grohl loves a long con. So and and on Saturday at the Outside Lands Festival in San Francisco, he squared the circle on a joke he's been telling for much of his Foo Fighters current tour. For months at Foo's shows, Grohl has been asking if anyone in the audience knows the lyrics to Michael Bublé's Bouncy Pop Diddy. Haven't met you yet. From the Kroners 2009 Crazy Love Album. And aside from loving an escapable pop hook, the gag is also a nod to the eclectic resume of drummer Josh Fries, a well-traveled studio and live player who, as luck would have it, did a stint playing for Buble. And if it even has to be said, yes, Freeze played the drums on the studio version of Haven't Met You Yet. Praising Freeze's lengthy resume, Grohl had keyboardist Remy Jaffe cue up the springy piano intro to the song. The last couple shows, I always look out to the crowd. Someone's like, I know the Buble song. I'll come up and sing. Grohl said to the audience at the festival, Wow. The excitable Foo's leader asked the crowd, then spotting a superfan in the crowd with an I love Buble sign. Grohl called him up with the stage, and that's when Michael Buble came up into the stage and performed, the gag becoming real. An incredible story. Thank you everyone who is listening tonight. 
Thank you, WQEE. Everyone, get a great night's sleep. Get home safe. We'll see you next time. Have a great night, everybody. Take care.